fact that some ailments only the blood can cure. Amen. There are some ailments only the blood can cure. We know that there are always traumatic situations. Uh, People have blood loss. If you break an artery, a blood vessel, or something like that um, from a trauma, and you suffer blood loss, you know you have to have a transfusion. You can't manufacture blood in your body quickly enough to replace that. There are some types of blood diseases, anemias, things like that. Only only more blood can cure those things. There are also bone marrow diseases and cancers that only blood can cure, if you understand what I mean. Usually by way of a blood transfusion, bone marrow transplant, some uh, uh, components of blood have to be given. Some people need white cells, some people need red cells, some people need both, need plasma, things of that nature. So Leviticus 17:14 tells us the life of all flesh is in the blood. So the life of our flesh is in the blood of Jesus now. We did have life in our own human blood, which we need that too, but the life of all flesh is in the blood of Jesus. Amen. So his blood will surpass the effects of any disease. It'll surpass the effects of any human blood, any natural blood, because there is life in the blood. And if Jesus lives eternally, there is eternal life in his blood. That's why the word of God can say that he will make an utter end Amen. Affliction shall not rise up a second time. So if your, your healing comes from eternal life, that healing is going to remain in you, period. One of the tricks of the enemy is once you receive your healings and you're symptom free, he'll try and test you with more symptoms. Everybody goes through this. They'll come back for a season or they'll come back. He does that to make you doubt that your healing is permanent. He'll make you doubt the power of the blood of Jesus to have an eternal effect on your body. And what what we need to do when that happens, and I know many people will say, well, I guess I didn't get it or I knew it was going to last for a short. I didn't expect it to last for a long time. You see what I'm saying? But anytime you, you're touched by eternal life, it is for a lifetime. I don't care what, amen, what he gives you. When he touches you, it's permanent. We, we let the devil talk us out of so many things. When we were talking last night about God restoring people's finances, and, and he, he instructed me to explain and hit that devil that puts you in condemnation because you lost something. But when I was in school and I would come home if, if some kid took something of mine, you know what my mother said? You better go back and get your stuff. Because she didn't put up with bullies taking stuff from us. And see, that's, that's how we got saved. You know, the woman and the man were in the garden, and the woman was deceived by the serpent. Amen? Not because there was anything wrong with her, but many times it didn't say nothing about Adam talking to that serpent. 
So I figure whoever has contact is vulnerable. That's why you let God choose your company. You let him choose your where you go, who you talk to, how long you talk to him. You let him do all of that. Why? To protect what he's invested in you so that you don't suffer loss. God is looking out for us. You know, it's not like he don't want us to be around people that love us. You need to find out what love is sometimes. You understand what I'm saying? But it is my contention, my feeling, and there is evidence everywhere that Adam should have been the one out there in that yard. If you so cool, Adam, and, and the woman did it, and she telling him, we'll get out there and take care of business, brother. Send your wife out there to fight snakes and stuff. Of course, he wasn't a snake then, but you know what I'm saying, whatever she was doing. Uh, the man was, that's why they both got canned, amen. <laughs> No blame in this game. Now, seriously, though, when when, uh, the man and the woman, it says the woman was deceived and the man entered into the transgression with her. I won't even go. I'm going to come up this a little bit. I'm going to say this a little bit right here and then I'm done. Okay. Uh, Why you all of a sudden being a covering brother? Now that she done messed up, now you going to cover her. See, carnal minds always think it's nonsense stuff. You know what I'm saying? But the truth of the matter is, Adam was following a vow that he made. Ow! See, in front of God Almighty, and heaven and earth recorded it, what did he say when when, uh, Eve was brought to him, the woman was brought to him? He said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. So that means he don't go nowhere without her, and she don't go nowhere without him. He said, I will leave you, God, and cleave to her. When God, his father, said it right to God's face. He said, I will leave father and mother and cleave to her, and the two of us will be one wherever we go. Amen. To become one. So, so he committed himself in front of God. So it never entered his mind to do anything other than that. It didn't enter his mind to leave her there. It never occurred to him. He kept his vow. Amen. And so this is how we got salvation. Because God was able then to put in his plan to return them back to their original glory. See, there would have been a real divorce if Adam had broken his vow. Where would we be? So we had honorable first parents, honorable father and mother. That's why we have forgiveness when when the devil snookers you out of something. I don't care how he snooked it. If it was a loss, God says you get it back. I don't care if you aided and abetted, you get it back. Amen. I don't care if you hired the hit man. You get it back. Don't judge me because I'm preaching good. Amen. So, so, amen. 
because it's got your name on it. It was given to you before the foundation of the earth. A healthy body was given to us before the foundation of the earth. We get our health back. The devil cannot steal it and keep it. I don't care what kind of title they put on the diseased devil that's trying to reign in your body. He cannot keep your health. Your health must be returned to you. Amen. God says, I will restore health to them and heal them of their wounds. Gloria Copeland had some people give testimony, uh, uh, some people, guys who had been in Vietnam and had had very deep shrapnel wounds, you know, where they just gouged the flesh off of you. Flesh was missing. And one man jumped up in the middle of the healing service. He said, my scar is gone. And she was saying, well, what? Well, you know, come on up here and tell us. And the way he described it, there was half of the flesh in his arm had been missing for years. And God put healthy flesh and filled all that in again. He doesn't want you to just be patched up. He wants you restored. Amen. Restored in everything. Totally restored. Don't ever think about settling for secondary, second best, or taking any responsibility long term for anything that, that has happened to you, anything you've done wrong. You're not, we're not battered people down here. You know how they say the uh, batterer. Uh, uh, convinces the abuser that they deserve to be whooped on. Got me? Now that would take a heap of convincing. If you got 357 sitting over here, but you're going to have to talk to me, brother. (laughs) Convince me. You know what I'm saying? And you have divine protection. You don't have to put up, well, I'm not going to even go there. I don't People with common sense know better than that. But there are some people who haven't had the advantage of the love of God in their lives. Amen? Amen. And they need our compassion and our help. So the blood of Jesus is what pays for everything that we need. When there is no earthly cure, only the blood will do. What to do when confronted with terminal disease? There have been killer diseases always. In the time of the nation of Israel, they had a, a, a leprosy, which was incurable. They would have infectious diseases that were incurable. So at one time, d- diseases that are now treatable were incurable. So at some point, even as believers in your personal life, uh, in people that you know, you're going to run into this incurable disease phenomenon. There's going to be something that's going to be, be beyond uh, the, um, the uh, uh, medical, medical profession's ability, like this flu that's going around now. This flu is killing people. And we've been warned that it was coming and would kill people. But many times we just uh, don't prepare ourselves. See, those warnings, when they tell you that the vaccines are in short supply or they're not going to work very well, that's just set up an alarm inside of you. God, I've got to trust you for my, my physical healing. 
Now we we've, we've cut these up and used them for flu shots forever. And I don't know any if, if any people in the ministry that that take them. Some people work in healthcare and it's a contract with the people they work for. They have to take them. But I know some people protest up until the last minute because you don't even have your faith in that shot. You got your it's it's what you have your faith in, folks. Don't ever go back on your faith. Amen. Don't go back on your faith. I know somebody was trying to get Gloria Copeland in trouble about her making a statement. And and she said, believers. She wasn't trying to talk nobody out of getting nothing that they didn't believe in or that they had. She said, address believers. That's not for you. That's not what's protecting you from the flu. The blood of Jesus protects you from the flu. Amen. Now, why they would try and dig something up on her, I'm saying, why don't you talk about all the people who get healed at her meetings? Right. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to blame her for people dropping dead of the flu because she told believers, if it ain't for you, you ain't no believer to keep it moving. Amen. Go get your shot. Go get your bottle of scotch, whatever you want to have. You understand what I'm saying? You ain't no believer anyway. So it's, we ain't talking to you. This is for believers. Amen. So if in, and many people will turn to be believing people when they're confronted with things that their little pills can't take care of or, you know, some things that get a hold of you and they can't even take some three months to find a decent pill to help you. Right, 80 million prescriptions. Well, doctor, that didn't work. I got another one. That didn't, I got another one. And you keep going back until they run out of another ones. Amen? And so we have an eternal covenant with God that we are healed and we are well. If sickness comes, you have a covenant that is sealed in the blood of Jesus. Man always seeks relief from suffering. There's nothing wrong with that. He seeks peace. We know, and when we know that their hope is in God, then peace will follow. So whatever brings peace to your soul is is the route you follow. And that word will always give you peace because there's hope for you in the word of God. When, When God tells you, I am the Lord that healeth you, and none of these diseases that I put on sinners, Egyptians, anybody like that, will I put on my people, then that gives you hope. You say, you know what, even though I'm feeling bad now, I got this word here, and I think I believe it. I want to believe it. I hope it's true for me. See, hope will come in there and keep you going until faith follows it and completes the process. Got me? Don't ever have hope that you just leave out there and you don't add faith to it so that it completes the process. So you will get your healing, and you will will resist the onslaught of the enemy. God's uh, blood is life. It's eternal life. That means it never dies. Whatever God does by the power of his blood will never die. The devil will try and convince you that it will, but it will never die. If you hold on to your faith in what God says, you'll get the benefit of it. The Bible says that Abraham considered not. Amen? The, you know, and I, I did a teaching on the consider nots, you know, and, and the stagger nots. Don't stagger at what God tells you he's going to do for you. Amen? And then the forget nots. 
Amen. Forget not all his benefits. Amen. So you have to, amen, that's got to be your last name. Amen. I'm Mrs. Stagger not. Huh? I'm Miss Consider not. Consider not your own body. When it hurts, don't consider it. Amen. When, it's, when it swells up, don't consider it. I have all, have, through my life, have had all kinds of misdeeds happen to me. Lost my mind. Thank God I found the Lord. And I found out he brought my mind back to me. He had it all along. Huh? You let the devil play in your mind and he'll play in your mind. But God has your stuff. He never lets the devil just take something from us. He has possession of it. Amen? Remember David at Ziklag? He was one of those people that held on to the word of the Lord. Everybody else was mad because their stuff was gone, and they thought it was totally gone, thought it was gone forever. But there was something inside of David that had held on in very, very difficult times, and he decided he would hold on one more time. You got me? And he found out that their stuff was not gone. It was missing from them, but God knew exactly where it was. Do you know God will hold your stuff for you? He'll have angels to take charge over your stuff and have it in a certain place. You know, you can lose something around your house and walk around for three days in a stew. Huh? Mad. I sure wish I could find, go rambling, tearing stuff up. While you're tearing it up, do some dusting. And some, <laughs> that's what I usually do. That's long while I'm back here, I can find my stuff, but let me get the brew. <laughs> Sweet. Amen. It's funny. Repairmen will come to my house and they'll say, well, ma'am, pull your stove out. And I'll look back and say, oh, my Lord. I said, can you hold it a minute? I'll go get the mop, get the broom. They got to stand there and wait till I mop out the little corner. Because I've been wanting to get to that. Amen. So while you tear up your house looking for your stuff, make some constructive work out of it. But know that if you hold on to God and your hope, eventually you will settle down enough for him to lead you to it. Amen? I found that out. When you're, when you're the mad hatter tearing up everything at your house, no <laughs> time to say hello, give me, give me, give me my stuff. When you're like that, God cannot speak to you. You've got to get his peace. Oh, no, you've got a covenant of... So you've got to keep your covenant. You gotta seek his peace first before you seek his stuff. Right, Brother Jeffrey? Yes, ma'am. Amen. Praise God. So once you get his peace, you're keeping covenant with him. Then he show you stuff. And you can't cheat on it either. I'll calm down for a minute and say, Okay, God, where's your Okay, God. That's not his peace. His peace is undisturbed. Composure. <laughs> right now you're a little too disturbed for him to do much for you. So he's waiting for you to calm down and get peaceful and understand that he has your stuff. And he will return it to you. He don't have your stuff and don't want you to have it. That's the devil. See, the devil will obscure your vision from knowing where it is. So God has to get you to keep your, do you trust me? If you really trust me, you'll receive my peace and let it abide with you until I'm ready to show you where it is. 
He wants you to have it right away. But we're too anxious and too fretful, and we won't recognize it almost when it comes to us. Amen. And so God has to keep his word and keep his covenant and allow us to have uh, the things that are missing from us. And so David appeared to be the only one person that held on to the fact that God would have his, his uh, stuff. He was really going up uh, against the enemy for revenge because that's how he rolled. Amen? David made a living of going ripping people off. Everybody made a living that way back in the day. So they just come, out, come in, in from a rip-off session and found out they'd been ripped off. Amen? And so he was about to, to go out and challenge and receive something. And so when, when he decided that he would go up against this army, they knew how to track them and find out where they last were. God told him to go up and that he would surely recover all. You're not praying in vain. When you pray for something and God's with you in that prayer, you will recover all. Don't quit gathering your stuff until you have all of it. Please. Amen. You know how sometimes we get a little bit of blessing and get excited and run off and tell everybody. and You left half of it behind. Huh? I had a friend that, that uh, said she ran her ministry barely making it financially because God had given her a prophecy and said, your, your ministry is the, the chapter one of something. It was one of the Old Testament prophet books. And she read it down as far as verse 6 and got excited and ran off and started a ministry. And the money was down 7 through 15 was the money. You see what I'm saying? So it's, it's easy to get real excited. You know, you pray and pray and pray in the spirit. And then when, when you get it, you jump right back in the flesh and want to try and exercise your covenant in the flesh. It don't work like that. And so God wants us to know that he will return our health to us. He will return blessing to us. He will return everything that we need because eternal life is eternal. It never dies. So the blood, the, uh, the life that's in the blood of Jesus never dies. It never loses its potency. It never is extinguished. It never changes. So his shed blood is payment for the sin of the world and the consequences that include sickness, poverty, and the second death. Amen. So we are redeemed totally from the curse. You don't have to receive anything from the devil. Amen. Anything that doesn't agree with the word of God is not allowed in your life by God. So you have a right to refuse it. Amen. We used to make uh, uh, healing cards, uh, get well cards or be healed. We didn't call them get well. We called them be healed. And uh, it, we one that uh, said return to sender. Amen. It's when symptoms come to you, you just return them immediately to the devil. Amen. Because that's who sent it. And as long as you refuse him, you don't have to receive that. We need to know that his blood has redeemed us from the penalty we would incur when we, ha- we, when we have broken the law. And this is something as a point of condemnation sometimes for many people because you'll see people with incurable diseases like AIDS because of a lifestyle choice. 
And and I would encourage people like that, if you know somebody like that or you, you uh, have been like that or whatever, stay in the word until you have peace that you are redeemed and that there is no penalty coming to you. Same thing with chronic smokers. Stay in the word until you are at peace that there is no penalty coming to you. Many people, when they get in church sometimes, they are so condemned about that habit sometimes, like smoking. You know, these are things. I was talking to somebody, and and the person would always smell a little bit like smoke when they came in, you know, to the meeting and and up at the altar. And uh, they, they were ashamed to admit it and ask for prayer. I just can't get rid of these cigarettes. I said, well, Jesus has already paid for you. You're rid of them if you'll let them go. And and uh, the person said, well, um, I've been trying. I said, well, why don't we do this? I said, use your faith instead of trying so much. I said, your faith will call things that be not as though they are. That's the way heaven talks. Your Your faith wants to agree with heaven. I said, why don't you do this? I said, every time you light up, just take a drag. That's my last drag. I am a non-smoker in Jesus' name. In a week it was gone. You understand what I'm saying? In a week it's gone. Why? Because faith always wins. Faith is eternal. It wins over anything that's temporal. Them cigarettes came after you. I remember when my older sister used to make me smoke. Remember Louise used to make us do stuff because we was young and innocent. She was the boss. So she thought. And she'd get us in the bathroom window, open the bathroom window. We were 12, 13 years old. You better inhale that. She'd stand there and fuss at you, you know, like she was your mom or something. No, nah, don't swallow it. Don't do that. That ain't right. You go, and I, <coughs> she said, that's right, that's right. You understand what I'm saying? Your body is trying to tell you something with your first cigarette, but you are not listening to them. And then later on, I mean, later on in life, then it really starts talking to you. But I'm telling you, God will reverse everything that the devil has done to deteriorate your body. You don't have to be chronically ill. Amen. I remember being at a healing meeting. At it wasn't really a healing meeting. I was preaching uh, uh, at a church here in Detroit, and there was a woman that came in on oxygen. And uh, we, it was a breakfast, like a prayer breakfast or something like that. And and so uh, I went over to her table where she was sitting. And I just I said hello to her and hugged her real close. And I said, sweetie, the Lord wants me to pray for you. I said, he wants to heal you right now. I said, and I prayed for her. And, and the Lord had me tell her, you can take that off whenever you're ready. Take the oxygen off whenever you're ready. And she immediately took it off and and started breathing well on her own. Amen. So, you know, these things are real. These things are very real. And, and, you know, sometimes people get confused and they get into doubt and have to pick up the stuff back. But you know God touched you and it happened. So that leaves an impression on you want that back again. If it ever happened one time, you want that back again. You want to be in that state of health back again. So God will not, his blood has redeemed us from the penalty. Sickness is a penalty that would be incurred if you were responsible 
for the penalty for breaking the law. But Jesus took that for you on the cross. So that's how you're redeemed. You were purchased out of that power. Sickness has no power over you. Now, people want to ask, well, why do we get sick? Or why do we not feel well? And my answer is either God is true or the devil's a liar or sickness is a liar. If that sickness was a legitimate penalty from God, he would not heal you from it. So it's not the same thing as the curse. It's a form of deception. Again, because we need to start filling ourselves with the word so that truth seed that's in us can flourish and start to blossom and get greater than that deceptive situation or symptoms that are attacking our body. Got me? Listen, before you were saved, you couldn't touch yourself and say, pain, go in Jesus' name and it leave. Once you're saved, it works, right? Uh-huh. So that proves to you right there that that didn't come from God. That's not the penalty. There is no more penalty for the blood bought. Amen? Because if it'll leave with a word from God or a touch of the anointing, that means that God doesn't want you to have it. Amen? It's of a different species than what God would have given to you as a penalty. Amen? You got me? So it's from hell by itself. It's not from hell as part of the broken law that we're responsible for. Good. (laughs) So that's why we tell people, I said, it's just a lying symptom. Yeah? What are you going to believe? None of these diseases? Or are you going to believe you got disease in spite of what God says? So you make the choice. And see, this is why believers tick everybody off when they refuse certain things. Amen? This is why people get upset. Because they don't live in that realm where their words can command their lives like we do. They don't live in that realm where we can boldly talk to symptoms and tell them to leave and they flee. Amen? And we can set a time on it. Well, did it leave yet immediately or in an hour? That's the way they did with Jesus. Everybody that he prayed for got healed immediately or in an hour, or they began to amend at the time that he prayed. But there was some action of eternal life in that person immediately when he prayed. Remember the servant and the guy went home and said, what what time was it that he (laughs) guy was checking Jesus out? You know, they run up to him. He'd been begging Jesus to heal him. It took him a day to get home. And so servants run up to him and say, I think it was a man's son. They said, your son liveth. Really? What time? <laughs> and he remembered Jesus had told him at that time. He was a guy, I, 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 I would turn to it, but it's awful. But he was a guy, Jesus told him when he called, he said he asked for his son to be healed. He said, Jesus said, unless you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. Yeah, yeah. And so then Jesus told him, he said, go home, your son is alive. But the dude was still wanting a sign and wonder, checking it out. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus told the truth on him, but he said, I'm going to heal him. I'm going to give you your sign and your wonder, too. Pocket change. Amen. 
your little check, the checking me out to make sure I'll do this right. You know what I'm saying? And so Jesus will satisfy all of those demands that we have. Every demand that our faith seems to have for certain things, he wants to prove to us that we will be able to have those things. The word is what heals us. The Bible said he sent his word and healed them and delivered them. You get healed and delivered. That means you're bought out of the power that got you in trouble, out of the power that made you sick. Jesus is a living word. And when we carry the word, the spirit in us witnesses that we are children of God. So the Holy Spirit is there to witness to you the word, witness the ministry of the word to you, witness what word you need to, to, to meditate on to, to affect your healing and your cure. God promises by his word that we are healed. Proverbs 4, 20 and 22, if you'll go there. I always read this, this um, scripture at every healing meeting. I stole that from Gloria Copeland. Amen. It says, My son, attend unto my word. Incline thy ear unto my saying. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life to those that find them in health or medicine to all of their flesh. So when you listen to the word, when you incline your ear to the word, medicine comes into your flesh. Medicine will come into your soul. Very often your soul has to stop blocking your body from getting healed. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it's, it, the Bible says you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. So that's why you've got to hear and be healed. That's why Jesus preached and taught and then they were healed. Because he had to heal souls into believing that they could receive what he had for them before they could receive it. You, there's a difference. If you would stop and explain some things to people about the word, just read them some scripture. You know, I've had that happen before. I remember uh, Pastor Shirley's mother-in-law, before she passed away, went through this thing where she quit eating. And uh, she had been in the hospital once before. I think they sent her home, and she went back again. And every time I pray, I don't just go jump up and, you know, grab oil and start sleeping. (laughs) I've been at it a little too long for that. Yeah, I've learned to wait for God. But... I did. We had been praying for her. Everybody in the family was praying for her. And uh, God told me to go visit her. And the time I went over to visit her, you know, every time I go, I, that was the, the hospital where I, I went to nursing school. And uh, it has flashback memories for me. So it's got to be God to get me on. <laughs> I'm expecting this. Uh, Nurse Mason, that was my name back there. Nurse Mason, get in there, you know. And uh, so I don't just rush up in there. You know, I'm not looking <laughs> looking for that. But uh, I had to figure out how to get around. It's an old, some old buildings connected to new buildings and all that kind of stuff. And when I finally got there, she was getting ready to have a swallow test. And this was a test they give you to see if you, if, what the reason is that you're not eating. And they were concerned if there was something physical wrong with her, she wasn't capable of swallowing. And so before the swallow test came, I got there and I sat and read some scripture to her. And I asked her, I said, well, are you ready for God to heal you? She said, I'm ready. 
And so, you know, she's some people, denominational people. She wanted them denominational people. I know that scripture. So, you know, I knew she was going hit, to hit me with that. So I bound that religious devil before I went in there, you know. So she said her little piece. I said, well, you ready? She said, I'm ready. So we read some scripture. I think I went to Matthew, um, uh, Mark 4, Matthew 5. One of those were three or four different stories about healing in there. And I said, okay. I said, if you're ready, I'll pray for you. After I read the scripture, I laid hands on her, prayed for her. The girl came in, gave her a swallowing test, and there's nothing physically wrong with her. So she swallowed. And she said, well, you passed your swallow test. I think we'll be able to send you home pretty soon. Why don't you swallow a few times for me? Because she would, if saliva collected in her mouth, she spit it out. Food was definitely a no-no. And I said, yeah, swallow that. See how we do. And she swallowed. And she was shocked. And I said, see, you're healed. She said, I think so. You're still wanting to doubt a little bit. And so I told her, I said, just keep swallowing, Will Lou. I said, you'll get there, you'll get there. And sure enough, she did. She started, or she would have starved to death, put tubes. You don't want that stuff. And so they can force feed you, but you want people. I said, go out on a high hand. She was like about 87, close to 90. What, what, how old was she when she passed away, 93 or 94? Oh, okay, 88. Well, she, her sister's like 90, right? Still kicking it. And so, so, yeah, so God wants you to be satisfied with long life. He doesn't want you to have tubes, force feedings, all that kind of stuff. At the end of life, he wants to satisfy you with a life that has great quality and that's worth living. And so you will have to feed them the word in order to get that faith built up in them before the anointing can come in and finish the job. Amen? Sometimes God will help you out with a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, something like that, to help zero in on exactly what the hindrance is so that can be removed out of the way. And so when you're faced with with people who have a terminal illness, you need to know that only the blood will cure what ails them. Two people in the Bible that had terminal, I would say both had terminal. Job is one. He had a possible death sentence over his life. Hezekiah was one who was told by God that he would not live. Amen? So we'll see what they did. Job had a possible death sentence. If you go to Job chapter 2, and we'll look at that for a little bit. When you have a death sentence, you have only the blood will take care of this. And there have been throughout the history of mankind and in their relationship with God, there have been different ways of applying the blood of Jesus or the blood that, that uh, healed. In the old covenant, it was the blood of bulls and goats. Amen. And, and there was an animal was sacrificed, started at the Passover. And so during the Passover, they applied the blood over the doorposts, amen, of the house. And everybody had to be inside the house to be spared the death angel. So there was animal sacrifice made. They ate the flesh of the animal. Nothing was left over. They were told that they could share it with other people that needed divine protection. And that's a picture of us as intercessors for others. We bring them into the ark of safety under the umbrella of God when it's necessary. And so the death angel killed all the firstborn in Egypt. They were not protected. 
because they didn't have a covenant with God. But there were a lot of Egyptians that wised up at the last minute and ran to their Hebrew neighbor for safety. So at the end of when you see in Exodus, Moses uh, led out a mixed multitude of people. That means that was anybody that got wised up at the last minute was free to jump on board. That's the mercy of God. See, he's just, it was never for just some people. It was They were set as an example in the earth of how God deals with man. But it was never just for that. Nobody's excluded ever, even in the Old Covenant. And so when, when they were applied the blood, everybody that was in the house was spared the death angel. And so Job had a covenant of sacrifice with God because it appears that when God did deliver him from his bed of affliction, that he told, uh, told uh, Job to get up and pray for his friends. And under that covenant or under, under that before, before the new covenant, covenant was in force, people typically made an offering and a sacrifice before a priest. When God told Job, get up and array yourself like a man, demand of me, and I will demand of you. That's covenant language. And when he said, array yourself, that must mean that there was some priestly garment that he needed to wear in order to stand in that office. So he had to make a sacrifice. He had to stand before God and make a petition and a prayer. The Bible says God turned the captivity of Job when he ministered out of his priestly office. You got me? You don't pray for your friends without being a priest and bringing a sacrifice. Not under that dispensation. You had to. So it appeared that Job was actually a priest who had quit priesting because he had some sores on his body. Huh? This was before the Levitical priesthood, which said that if, uh, if a child had an outbreak or a priest had an outbreak of any kind of disease on his body, he was eliminated. Those babies were examined by Aaron and his son uh, and his children when they were born to make sure they had no blemish. That's why Moses was given, uh, put in a boat, said the, the parents looked at him and saw he was a proper or a beautiful child. So there's no blemish on this baby. It must be because God made him that way to become a priest. Amen. So they sanctified him even at his birth. But this thing with Job was before that. See, with Job, it was mostly personal embarrassment. I'm a minister, and I'm sick. I'm a minister, and I can't get my healing. I'm a minister, and I can't do this. I'm a minister, and I can't do that. And so they quit doing and quit doing by faith. Some people just go through the motions. Shakamaha, it hit you real hard and see if you fall. You got me? And so this thing will afflict anybody who is called to stand in the office of priest before the Lord. You get embarrassed, you get ashamed. And that's why Job laid in that bed and let his so-called friends base him out for all that time. Huh? 33 chapters or so or more. And they talking about what talking about God nobody talked 
to God. And see, Job could have gone to God from the jump street and gotten his healing and then, you know, come back out beautiful. But he allowed the friends to jump on him because in Job chapter 2, that's where they show up. Amen. Before he can get his bearings and before he can pray to God, these little buddies show up. Job 2.11. Now, when Job's three friends heard that all this evil was come on him, they came, everyone from his own place. They coming from out of town to see the man of God, to see the priest on his sick bed for a change. So they could tell him why he's sick. Nobody's there to get him healed. Why? Because he had a covenant with God. He was always the one who got everybody else taken care of. You know Job's a priest because it talked about he at least was a priest of his household because he made sacrifices for their children. When they get bad, he said, maybe somebody cussed God out. I'm going to ask God to forgive him, make a sacrifice for him. That's not allowed. They have to make their own sacrifice. Amen. They've got to do their own praying. And so we know that Job allowed his friends, instead of applying the blood to his situation, he let his friends talk to him. This is what we do. Many times God would heal us instantly if we quit talking about it, quit running everybody, asking them what they think about it. Amen. Quit throwing hints about should I go to the doctor or should I not go to the doctor. Talk to God about that stuff. Amen. Apply the blood first and let that blood do the talking for you and instruct you in what to do. And so we see down in chapter 40 or so is where Job finally, and he really didn't call on God. God sovereignly intervened. And he said, let me rescue this dude. He said, this has been long enough. He knows how to deliver the righteous out of testing. Amen. He knows how to do that. And he said, okay, this is enough. It was a challenge of the devil to see if Job was going to curse God and die. Well, in all that time... He hadn't cursed God, so God was the one who accepted the devil's challenge. And he said, okay, devil, you got enough evidence now? This boy is going to stay with me, so I'm going to get down here and rescue him. That's all he's looking for from us, for us to stay true to God so he can come down and rescue you. Amen? Your faith is being tested. God needs to know what your faith will do in your life, and you need to know it too. I want to know what my faith is going to do. Amen? And so because if it's not adequate, Jesus is the finisher of your faith, and he will work that and work that until he gets you to the place where your faith is strong enough to pull in everything that you need, strong enough to resist everything you need to resist, strong enough to do the impossible when you need the impossible done. And so God wants us to have everything that he has has, uh, designed for us to have. It is set aside for us. Okay, so now we got Hezekiah. Hezekiah was given a death sentence, period. In um, 2 Kings, let me see, I got so many. Let's try 2 Kings 18. I want to see if it's there, what I want. Problem with writing down too many scriptures. All right, hold that place for a minute because I, I might read it. I might speak about it, but I'll, I'll go to Isaiah 36. This is a very important 
happening in the life of Israel because it set up something that was very dramatic and, and would, would uh, encourage people for generations to come. Let's try Isaiah 36. Oh, okay, that's good. I won't have to go far then. Yeah, Second Kings 20. Ah, good, thank you. In verse 1, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, and this is what he said. Now, this is what you want to know. Hezekiah applies the blood of Jesus because he invokes the covenant he has with God. Exodus 15:26 says, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, do that which is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his rules, I will put none of the diseases upon you. So Hezekiah came down with sickness probably for a number of reasons. We can all be touched in our bodies with some type of infirmity from time to time. But Hezekiah applies the blood by invoking the words in that blood covenant. He said, if you diligently hearken to me, listen to me. The first thing he did was turn his face to the wall. That's obeying that scripture. Diligently listening to God. He shut the prophet out. He shut his family out. He shut the servants out. He shut probably physicians out. He shut everybody out. So he's diligently facing God now. He's all ears and all attention. So he's invoking that covenant. Come on, y'all. Now listen, if you, if you want something from God, you've got to get your covenant going. So if it's broken through sickness or broken through anything, you've got to set that back up again. You've got to get in there. With us, repentance. God, show me. What is it? Standing between me. I'm, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm, uh-uh, I don't want that. In. And you turn your face to the wall and face God who stands between you and your accuser when the blood is invoked. Got me? And so you invoke the blood of Jesus, and you allow God to come in and examine you, cleanse you, purify you from all unrighteousness, and then you stand righteous again. So Hezekiah gets diligently facing God, and he does this. He begins to recite how he has obeyed God in his life, stuff we're warned not to do. But, honey, when you plead your case, you're looking for evidence to help you. I don't know about you, but if I go down to police arrest me, if I, was, if I got an alibi, they're going to hear about it. Before they put some cuffs on me, I ain't staying in there for, for one minute if I don't have to. And that's what Hezekiah did. How could he do this? He must have known God was a merciful God. That's one thing number one about your covenant is you serve a God of mercy. Amen. And you serve a God who keeps his end of the covenant as well. And he said, 
He said, I beseech you, verse 3, O Lord, remember now how I walk before you in truth and with a perfect heart, and I've done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept sore, and it came to pass before Isaiah was God, and he was, God, I don't want to die. All I want you to do is remember what I did for you back in the day. What did Hezekiah did when he first got started in ministry? How did he do? What did he do? He began to remove the high places. This is Second Kings 18. He was 25 years old, a young man when he started. What he did very bold and confident things by faith. He tore down the high places, broke the images, cut down the groves, broken pieces, the brazen serpent. They had even given it a name. Remember the snake Moses made and they were to look at it and be healed? And they had given it a pet name, Nehushtan, and they wanted people love that thing. He took it and shattered it in pieces. They couldn't trust in it anymore. And he began to trust in the name of the Lord. He built, rebuilt the towers around the city. He posted watchmen around the city. He made that a safe place to be. And so he recounted to God all the good that he had done throughout his life. God, keep me around. I'll do more. If you'll forgive me and you'll set me free from this disease, I will do more. And so that's how they invoked their blood. That's how they pled the blood back in those days. They would invoke their covenant by doing a step of obedience toward it. Amen. And then plead your case. See, he invokes the blood first. Then you get in the throne room, and then you can plead your case. Many of us try to plead on the outside of the courts of God. See what I'm saying? I'll never get heard. But I'm telling you, if you straighten that thing up, I don't care what it is. I remember some people I was doing business with, and we had broken, had a disagreement about business. And the Lord reminded me at the end of the year, he said, I think you need to make it right with them. Now, they were wrong, but I was wrong too. I was wrong as a child of God to represent God that way. And I'm thankful I I did it. I went and made it right, and I paid. You know, they suffered some loss of finances. God gave me the, the money. I paid that. But then his mother had a heart attack three months later. And see, I was able to minister to her. See, broken fellowship will mess up a lot of stuff, amen, if you're not careful. But I'm telling you, this blood is is effective. It will take care of everywhere. There's a need and a desire for healing. The blood will penetrate whatever barriers that there are toward that thing and get that person well. Why don't we put on some music? We're going to pray for people now. Pastor Shirley and I are going to pray for you. Don't you love the Lord? I love him so much. Amen. I love him so much. There's nothing God won't do for us. He will go the extra mile to make sure that we have a good life. He wants to please us. The Bible says he will satisfy us with long life and show us his salvation. So if anybody wants prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. If anybody wants impartation so that you can have an anointing to pray for the sick, you can receive that at the altar as well. So we